Thank you, Charles. Good afternoon, everyone. And thanks again for coming to our seventh uh, brunch month, and hopefully we'll have many more. So without further ado, uh, Rosalind Gordon is an award-winning financial professional. She has over 30 years of experience specializing in accounting and finance. She is the CEO and founder of the Gordon Group Financial Services, Inc., a boutique business management firm located in Iceland, New Jersey, where the focus is accounting, bookkeeping, tax preparation, tax planning, and tax resolution. She saves her clients thousands using a holistic approach that not only offers her clients compliance, but proactive planning for their personal and professional financial wants. Rosaline is also a speaker. Her topics include entrepreneurship, money-saving tips and ideas for businesses, women in business, building equity with your financial professional, business formations, and entity optimization. She also owns multiple businesses, including a nail salon, the Brooklyn Nail Company in Brooklyn, New York, with her sister. And I'll go ahead and hand it to you, Ms. Gordon. Thank you. Thank you so much for that warm introduction, Charles and Alonzo. Uh, I am so excited to uh, share this platform with you today. So we have, I know we have some time constraints, so I'm gonna go ahead and get started and uh, share my screen, okay? Okay, just, um, let's, let's see here. Okay. Okay, so one of the main reasons I do this is because I realize that uh, people and especially business owners need that extra support. Um, I sat into a CPA's office uh, and had, had my taxes prepared and upon uh, completion, he was like, you owe money. And I was like, okay, my natural response was, well, what could we do? And he was like, nothing, there's nothing that you can do, that's it. So I said to myself, boy, I was recently divorced. I had all of these new bills uh, that I had to pay and I really didn't need another one. So I decided that this guy is not gonna help me and that I had to help myself. I didn't file that day. I went home and I did some research and I realized that uh, you know he had me filing uh, incorrectly. He had me filing a single when I could actually file a head of household. So I contacted him and um, he d disputed and debated me, but I provided proof, filed head of household and I no longer had a tax liability. And um, I said to myself, you know, how many people have had this experience, you know, and just had not had the knowledge to do something about it, to make changes, right? And that's one of the reasons why I started this platform, so that I can provide um, information and allow you to stay in the conversation with your uh, financial professional, okay? I have to read a disclaimer. Uh, some of the information may include interpretations and opinions that may not align with how the IRS or a court will provide these provisions. We may receive updated guidance from the Treasury, Congress, or IRS that may change some of the following information. 
Okay, the agenda today is a little robust, but I promise uh, to keep you supported. We're going to talk a little bit about business entity types. I'm going to provide you with an overview of S Corporation and LLCs. We're going to talk a little bit about starting up and launching and what business entity type is best, you know, dependent on, on a few of uh, some criteria personally that I think uh, would determine that. And then if we have time, I'm going to uh, share a little tax strategies and loopholes with you. Is that all right? Yes. Okay. So there are, um, let's see. So tax season is among us, right? And it brings on a variety of new questions and some challenges for business owners and individuals who want to start a business. And uh, one of the most uh, asked questions is, what type of business should I choose? So there are five basic business entity types. There are sole proprietorships, partnerships, corporations, LLCs, and S corporations. Okay. So a S uh, sole proprietorship is an unincorporated business entity formed by individual business owners. Okay. In a sole proprietorship, the uh, business and the owner are considered the same legal and tax paying entity. There's no separation between the business and its owner. By default, if you do not file uh, documents to register the company within the state, it is considered a sole proprietorship. Sole proprietors own all of the business's assets and their profits. Likewise, they are wholly responsible for all of the business's liabilities and their debts, okay? So what that really means is, if you are a sole proprietorship and unfortunately something happens that you can, your, your personal assets can uh, be attached to any judgment um, to satisfy those, okay? If you're a sole proprietorship, the business cannot be transferred so if the sole proprietor passes along, so does the sole proprietorship. The income or loss for sole proprietorship is reported on the Schedule C of the owner's 1040. Okay. Now a partnership is when two or more people operate a business that's not officially registered as an entity within the state. In a partnership, just like a sole proprietorship, there is no distinction between the business and its owners. The owners and the business are considered the same legal tax paying entity. Individuals in a partnership share legal, financial, and management responsibilities for the business. Partnerships usually have a partnership agreement that spells out the division of ownership between uh, the partners and also their duties. Now, partnerships uh, can have can be general partnerships or limited liability limited partnerships. And as a limited partner, all that means is that you do not have any participation in the day to day duties of the partnership. Now, there's also a way that a partnership can offer limited liability, the same feature as a corporation. And that would be if it's set up as an LLP. So offer LLPs offer limited liability feature of a corp while simultaneously retaining the single form of taxation. 
Okay. Next, uh, we will talk about uh, corporations. Now, corporations, the owners of uh, corporations are considered shareholders. You'll have your presidents, vice presidents, and so on and so on. The shareholders' personal liability is limited to the amount they have individually invested in the company. In contrast, owners of a sole proprietorship or a partnership are personally liable for the business debts and legal issues of those companies. So a C-corporation is a tax-paying entity. So when it makes a profit, it will be taxed on that income. You'll often hear corporations called, affectionately called a C-corp, and you'll often hear that the income tax treatment is referred to as double taxation. What that basically means is that the corporation pays tax on any profits that it earns, and the shareholder also pays tax on any dividends that they receive from the corporation. That dividend payout to shareholders are not deductible expenses for the corporation. And so sometimes to avoid double taxation, business owners or shareholders uh, of a C corporation choose to pay themselves a bonus at the end of the year in an amount that will otherwise would have been their company's profits. Uh, because bonuses are considered supplemental wages, therefore they are deductible for the business. So that's just a, another loop around how uh, shareholders of corporations can uh, avoid uh, paying taxes on that profit. Okay? So they are taxable to the owners as ordinary income, but they're not taxed to the corporation. When a C corporation breaks even, Typically, it will not have to remit corporate level taxes, okay? Now, there are circumstances where a C corporation pays taxes uh, at a lower federal income tax rate than an individual income tax, applicable to sole proprietorships, applicable to partnerships. Therefore, business owners who plan on investing back into their business may choose a C corporation as a way to defer and reduce their tax obligations federally, okay? One thing I do like to keep in mind is when we start talking about deferring taxes is that sometimes we go, oh, well, I wanna be a C-Corp. But also remember the issue of the double taxation, okay? It's important. Now, the C-Corporation files the tax return separate from its owner. That uh, tax return form is 1120. Uh, there's a state filing for the formation of a C-corporation, and as a result of forming a C-corporation, you should receive something called uh, the Articles of Incorporation. Now, a limited liability company is a business entity that one or more owner uh, can form. Every state requires uh, the filing registration paperwork with the Secretary of State or a comparable agency that uh, in order to establish an LLC, okay? Now, um, it, it, it classifies um, its partners has, if you, if, if you have an LLC, you can classify the partnership, the LLC as a partnership 
if it has two or more members, and if it only has one member, it's, it's considered a disregarded entity separate from its owner. Okay. There are no restrictions on the number of types of members in an LLC, and all of the members, which is what the owners of an LLC is called, not necessarily a president or a vice president, they're called members. All of the members have the ability to manage in the day-to-day -day of that LLC. Okay, so an S-corporation is a special type of corporation. It was first established uh, in 1958, and it said that it was established to kind of uh, support family business. I don't really have any technical proof on that, but the facets of the S-corporation kind of supports that. It supports that family-oriented uh, uh, type of business, okay? Now, what makes an S-corporation attractive is that unlike the corporation, it avoids double taxation, and unlike a partnership, sole proprietorship, and LLC, it also avoids self-employment taxes, okay? The owners of S-corporations are also considered shareholders, and they have a, a limited liability. One of the other special features of an S-corporation is that the owners can uh, receive distributions, and the distributions are not subject to payroll tax. Okay, so in, we're looking at LLCs versus S-corporations. So in order to form an LLC, like I mentioned, you have to register with the state, and you'll receive the articles of organization. Forming a corporation, you'll receive what's called the articles of incorporation. Now, in order to become an S corporation, you have to make an election using form 2553. So what that means is usually when you go and you start a business, it automatically starts as a C corporation. In order for you to reap the benefits and become an escort, you have to make an election to do so. Okay? Now, the owner's eligibility for uh, limited liability can have one or more owners or members as they're free frequently, as they, as they are called. Uh, in the, um, with LLCs, the owners can be individuals, they can be other LLCs, they can be corporations, they can be foreign entities, okay? So if you're gonna partner up with someone and you want to form an LLC, you don't necessarily have to come in as James Smith. If you have an LLC and you want to partner up and create an LLC with someone else, you could actually come in as James Smith LLC, okay? And LLC, unlike a S-Corp, offers foreign entities, okay? Generally, states don't restrict how many members an LLC can have. However, some states do restrict the type of businesses that can become an LLC. So for instance, for instance if you're in insurance, if you're in banking industry, um, some states prohibit you from becoming an LLC, okay? And also, some states do not allow you to become an LLC if you are a licensed professional as a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, and an architect. 
Okay. And an alternative is uh, for those types, doctors, lawyers, architects, could be PC. But we're not talking about those today, but just uh, informational purpose is good that you know that. Okay. So as I mentioned, the S-Corp owners are called shareholders, right? The eligibility requirements to become an S-Corp shareholder are a little bit more restrictive than that of an LLC. You have to elect the tax treatment as an S-Corp, right? And partnerships, corporations, uh, non-resident aliens may not be S-Corporations, okay? The S-Corporation must be domestic, and um, it has to be individuals and maybe certain types of trusts or estates are allowed to select the S-Corp status, okay? The other restrictions um, in becoming an owner of an S-Corporation is that the S-Corporation is limited to only 100 uh, shareholders, unlike the corporation who can have unlimited shareholders, unlike the LLC, that can have unlimited members, okay? So remember earlier I talked about how the S-Corp was basically set up for family business. This is why. So because there's a limit of 100 shareholders, if you and your mom or your sister decide that you want to form an S-Corporation, you all, because you're related, can be considered one shareholder, okay? Okay, so liability protection. So both the LLC and the S-Corp protect, protect the business owner's personal assets. They limit personal liability for the business's debts or legal action taken against the company. As you could probably imagine, this will provide some type of peace of mind as an individual's home, their bank accounts, their cars, their savings, their retirement, and all of their investments are protected from the liabilities and risks of the business, okay? However, however, there's something called a corporate veil. But when you're doing business, it's really important to just do everything in compliance and do everything legit because a court might rule that an LLC member or S-Corp shareholder are personally responsible for debts and legal issues of the business if they act fraudulently. And if they personally guarantee business loans or if they were negligent or reckless in some way that somehow caused harm to someone. So what happens is the whole concept of the corporate veil becomes pierced. And then in any of those instances, you the uh, veil is pierced and then they can attach um, the debts or liabilities to the shareholder or the member uh, personally. And when thinking of this and thinking of the corporate veil, while I don't always promote on the statewide, on the state side uh, of incorporating in other states, it's important that you know that states like Nevada, it's very, 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 very difficult to pierce the corporate bill. You have to really do something wrong. 
in order to pierce the corporate veil in uh, Nevada. Okay, and a lot of people sometimes like to organize in Delaware. And what they don't realize is organizing Delaware may protect you if you are a big corporation, but it's not necessarily for small business owners, okay? Uh, the other thing is the owner's salaries, okay? A disregarded entity, LLC, cannot be considered an employee of their company. Therefore, they do not get compensated like uh, other employees uh, through wages or salaries. In order to get paid by the business, the LLC member will take money out of the shares of the profit, also called distribution as well, okay? So if you're a single member LLC, the owner withdraws money by taking the owner's draw, and they usually do this by some type of wire or writing checks. It's important to keep things on the books, right? And legitimate. And if it's a multi-member LLC, when a member needs money, they take that draw from the LLC, which is accounted for in the individual's capital account. So this way, um, um, they can all keep account of how much money each member has taken. And one other thing that's important with an LLC, it's important that um, that um, they include all of uh, the transactions, they include uh, what each member is responsible for in an operating agreement, okay? So as far as owner salary for uh, an S corporation, if you do substantial work inside your S corporation, you must, you must pay yourself what the IRS calls reasonable compensation. This is a big, big hot spot with S corporations. A lot of uh, S, -corp S corporate shareholders just want to take distribution. But what, what winds up happening is that they take the distribution and the IRS can come back and say, no, you're very active in your business. This should have been salary or wages. And then they can retroactively uh, fine you for not paying those wages and those salaries. And it also kind of can put the S Corp in jeopardy. Okay. So what you can do uh, because the S Corp has this facet where you can pay yourself a distribution from profits, you can actually pay yourself um, a reasonable salary, what the IRS deems for your position inside your business and also based on the uh, income that you've earned. And you can pay yourself that salary and the difference you can take in a distribution of profits, okay? And, and everything should be okay from that. The only thing to consider with the distribution, while the federal government is forgiven, you don't pay uh, self-employment tax on the federal, you don't pay uh, self-employment tax uh, on the federal side, you may still owe some type of uh, tax on the state side. So it's important to keep that in mind when you're taking distributions. And also when you're taking distributions in the S corporation, it should be proportionate to the amount that you've contributed to your S corporation. So if you're an S corporation shareholder 
and you contributed 20%, your profit, out of the profits, you get 20% and so forth and so on. Okay, there's an issue of compliance when you have a corporation. LLCs usually has a biennial filing every other year with the state. And when you do that, you have a uh, obligation to update your address with the state and include any additional members and their role in their titles and you pay a fee and you're in compliance. Also with LLC, because you um, do not have payroll, you're responsible for estimated tax payments, okay? And those are paid quarterly to the federal and to the state, okay? Now, one of the basic things with the S corporations, just to remain in compliance, uh, is that they cannot have non-resident aliens, they can't have partnerships, they can't have corporate or certain trusts as shareholders, okay? And you must you must do that reasonable salary to the shareholder to stay in compliance as an air, as a S corp shareholder. You should run payroll and submit your payroll taxes quarterly. Okay. The S corporation does file a separate tax return uh, from the owner. It's a file, it files an 1120S and that's due by March 15th. You can put it on extension. And then that's due by September 15th. Um, both the LLC and the S Corp, if you have to process 1099s, they should be processed by January 31st. Okay. So now we're at the startup and launch part. And you want to say, well, what entity is best for me? Okay. There are four four things I think, well, five things that I think are most important when deciding which entity to set up. They are where you are in the journey, your earning potential, tax optimization, of course, the type of business, and business funding. Okay. So where you are on your journey. If you are at the phase where it's just an idea and you're just getting started and you just want to dip your toe in to see, can I make some money with this idea? Or you want to say, or you want to say, well, am I cut out? Am I fit for entrepreneurship? You probably should start along the lines of a sole proprietorship. Okay. That way you don't have a lot of legal and compliant things to uh, entertain. And if you decide that it's not for you, which a lot of people do, then it's easy to just exit. Okay. Now, if you're active and you're doing a thing, and you realize that you can make, you're making money from it, it might be smart to start an LLC, okay? And, um, you know, get things going, have everything legitimate with the LLC. Now, if you're full stream ahead, you can do an LLC again, and you can also do uh, an S corporation or a corporation, depending on a few other factors, okay? Earning potential. This comes up uh, quite a bit, right? Especially on the tax optimization side. If you are uh, an LLC or a sole proprietorship uh, partnership, 
and you see that you have earnings of 100K and above, it's probably best to uh, transfer your business into an S corporation. And the reason why is because trans transferring to an S corporation has a lot of tax optimization in there, including the uh, facet of the self-employment tax. And all of those other entities, you have to do that self-employment tax, okay? Tax optimization is the practice of maximizing savings within your business using tax strategies and loopholes. Converting from an LLC to an S-Corp, as I mentioned, has its tax savings. You don't have to pay that self-employment tax, okay? Now, choosing a business entity juxtaposed to a sole proprietorship affords you to be able to take these tax strategies. You can do a home office in a sole proprietorship, but renting your home to your business where your business takes a tax deduction and you take the income from your business and put it in your pocket tax-free, you need an uh, incorporated business entity to do that. Same thing with a very popular real estate a professional tax strategy, you need a business to do that. Same thing with the accountability plan, accountable plan, you need a business entity to do that, okay? And also, just, just to reiterate that all of these strategies it's not simple, it's easy. You really need the help of a tax professional in order to implement these things. So if you have an escort or you have an LLC, it's best to talk to your tax professional of how you can implement these tax strategies for the maximum tax optimization. Okay. Another thing when you're deciding to pick a business is the business type. With real estate, I don't necessarily like the idea of tying it up in an S-Corp or a corporation. Um, the, ba the basic reason is I want, I want my kids to have something, right? So in a corp in an S-Corporation, you can still do that, right? Um, you can still do that. But what happens is if the property is worth um, $2 million, your kids don't get that step up, right? They inherit it at a million dollars, like where you, you purchase it at. So what happens is if they go to sell it, they have a gain of two of a million dollars and they have to pay taxes on that. And that's just not fair, right? So I feel like an LLC will probably be the best uh, for real estate transactions. So if you wanted to do a tech company, I would suggest a C corporation. Keeping in mind the double taxation, but usually tech corporations, they want to have investors and angel investors like to see that they have the option of more than one type of stock. And a C corporation provides that. Okay, business funding. You uh, can you um, basically personal savings can get can start all of those business entities. Like I mentioned about investors, angel investors. They like to see C-corporations, okay? Loans and business credits. They like to see that you're not just um, trying something in the wind. If you went through the trouble of starting an LLC or building an S-corp and you have money flowing in, it's very attractive, okay? It's very attractive to uh, banks and uh, credit companies to see that you have an incorporated entity formed. Okay. And lastly, to top up everything, 
like I said, all of this seems easy. And I know a lot of times when people want to uh, start business, they try to do things on their own. They try to do it themselves. But the smartest way, the best thing, the best advice I could give you is if you want to do this, is to consult a financial professional. Consult a tax advisor, okay? Build those relationships with your financial professional so that you can do this seamlessly and you can do this with the maximum tax savings possible, okay? Thank you. That was my presentation for today. I'm going to turn it over to my good friend, Barbara Fennell. Thank you, uh, Rosalind. That, that was excellent. Um, and really quick, before I do uh, pass it on to Ms. Uh, Fennell, um, Ms. Gordon did mention partnerships and agreements. So guys, make sure that you ask the advisor who uh, invited you here about funding things like buy-sell agreements and other business strategies like key, uh, key man policies and deferred comp plans, okay? And so now we're introducing Barbara Fennell, CEO of the Fennell Group, LLC. She comes with an extensive background of working on the front line as well as behind the scenes in the banking and finance industry. While employed for over 20 years working for well-known conglomerates, she realized that there is no doubt a very staggering number of startups and small businesses in our community that more often than not fall straight into a rabbit hole when it comes to obtaining financing. That hole is where many that she is ashamed to say have never found their way out. Barbara knows very well that too often minority-owned businesses never even get off the ground properly due to the lack of access to money, which is so crucial to the success of any business being able to start, grow, or expand. In spite of these bad results, Barbara personally has helped business owners obtain more than $4 million in funding in 2021 through her business, the Fennell Group LLC, which she founded in March of 2019. Barbara is very passionate about empowering and lifting up others and educating her community by sharing this information about the importance, importance of business credit and access to low-cost funding in the black community. She has achieved a great deal of success helping those who don't have direct access to the best business credit and funding opportunities in the market today. Now, let's hear some of what she has to say about business credit and funding because the Fennell Group is where your business and financing meet. And without further ado, Miss Barbara Fennell. All right then, thank you for that, Lonzo. And after Rosalind, I'm gonna to have to be humble <laughs> because a business owner myself, you have given me some nuggets that I can use for my business that, you know, things that I haven't even considered or thought of. So if anybody's listening to Rosaline, she is giving out jewels that you don't really hear this stuff every day. So I thank you all for being here and I'm going to go ahead and, and do my thing. Uh, so. 
had to do my notes here. Uh, so listen, one thing for sure that I know that many business owners every day are relying on having access to working capital. I don't know too many businesses out there today that they're saying, I don't need money. I don't need access to money. That's very rare. And so a lot of them today are very confused as to what it is to have access to business credit uh, options. Uh, we've been raised with different uh, concepts coming from our parents, from the community. But sometimes credit might not be a good thing if you mishandle it. So you may have that fear of, of, of credit itself. Even the word credit can sometimes put you in a space that doesn't feel good, especially if you've had negative experiences with your own credit. Uh, so I want to start by talking about what is business credit? And, uh, you know, basically what business credit is, is credit that is obtained in your business's name. Uh, the business builds its own credit profile under the EIN number, and the credit is therefore built on the business's ability to pay instead of the business owners. Now, I know Rosalind talked about uh, some uh, the, the corporate veil and some other some, some other situations that will cause you if you were negative with any type of credit situation that you are personally liable for that. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but therefore, the business does uh, do not have any effect on the owner's consumer credit. So it's, it's taking your, your credit profile and separating it under your business. Uh, someone said they can't hear me. Is everything cool with, with the volume here? Okay. Okay. So this is one of the distinct advantages of separating your personal credit profile and establishing some credit for your business. Uh, it allows uh, you to have lines of credit, which can be used to access money to fund your business uh, for the needs that it has now and also on an ongoing basis, and it allows uh, you to instead uh, use your profits to grow. Uh, and as you continue to access credit, uh, the business reporting agencies such as Dun & Bradstreet and Paydex uh, and, and, and Experian, they're all known as the agencies that record your credit information. And they also will recommend you for more money helping you to get access to more loans, lines of credit, and business credit cards, and which will help you get lower rates and higher limits. And yes, that's a good thing. Now, even with only one account reporting, uh, you can go from having no business score to a great score and become more lendable than having no score at all. Now, I can help you to begin to secure what what these businesses, I'm going to list some businesses that you might not even be aware of that uses credit and business credit. Uh, and it's reported uh, under the uh, Experian credit reporting status. That's where I found this information. So Walmart, for example, Walmart has 513 accounts under their business credit. Walmart is a store that we're all familiar with. 
We all shop from, and even a store such as Walmart has business credit reporting to Dun and Bradstreet and Experian. Public supermarket, that's another familiar uh, business. They have over 171 business credit accounts. Apple has over 138. Even Facebook has 40 or more. So think about this. If these well-known businesses know the value of having business credit, why not take cues from them? You don't have to listen to me, but these are, these are companies that we use every day that knows the importance of having business credit. Now, in fact, the business credit is the only financing you can obtain regardless of your credit, your cash flow, collateral, or even time in business. You can literally be a startup business and obtain business credit. And that essentially means you, if you're a startup and you're considering going to Rosaline to formate or form your business entity. So, I'm going to share my screen with you and show you a little bit about what the Fennell Group is all about and how we can help you uh, move uh, into that world of business credit. Uh, so let's see. Uh, I'll go ahead and share my screen here. Yeah. I will. Let's see. Somebody help me here because I'm not too crazy about this. Uh, there we go. So talk to you a little bit about the Fennell Group. And that's my logo. I hope you can get familiar with seeing that. Now, we say yes to business funding. We believe that cash flow should never be stressful. And we would like to help you get the funding you need to help you succeed. Now, why should you work with us? Why should you work with the Fidel Group? Because we know it's a challenge to find lenders who work with startups and early stage companies. And most business loan applications are rejected by the big banks. And sometimes alternative lenders can be very predatory, charging unfair high interest rates, even if you are approved. Now we have a proprietary process uh, which is exclusive uh, to uh, the Fennell Group, and it's a proven process that combines software solutions with highly personalized consulting. And that gives you uh, average, uh, an average percentage of approval rating of about 85%. Uh, we believe every great business idea deserves to be approved for funding, and I'm sure hoping that you all agree with that. I use a qualified expert team of financial strategists and work together with you to achieve your funding. Barbara? Yes. Yeah, Barbara, if, uh, if I may. Um, the screen's not sharing. I was trying to... Uh, yeah, check. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. What's happening? Your, your screen is not yet sharing. Yeah. My screen is not sharing? No, no, no. no. Uh, we're still seeing you. <laughs> no, you you're still share, seeing me. Okay. Yeah. And it's a beautiful face. Okay, let me see what's going on here. So I am on uh, sharing my screen here. Bear with me. 
Let me just you click that. share, then click application. When it pulls up application, it'll bring you the multitude of windows, and you'll be able to click on your yeah. All right, so let me see if I can pull it up again. There you go. Sorry you about that. How's this? Can you no, see it now? One more time. One more time. So go back to the share. This is called building it as we fly, folks. There you go. Is that better? Much better. You can go ahead, Barbara. Okay. So I was talking about why I work with us, and then we have uh, these are some of the numbers with the joint ventures of nationwide uh, uh, accounts people that work with me doing what I do. So we've approved over 21,910 loans that's been approved, uh, $194 million in loans, and we have over 219 positive reviews and over 665 returning customers. We believe every business owner deserves to feel proud and get the funding that they need to succeed. Now, I'm not sure what's going on now. It's not moving along. Okay, so I'll just move it myself. Sorry about this, everyone. I'm not the expert on PowerPoint, I guess you can see. <laughs> okay. Now, in a recent Federal Reserve Small Business Credit Survey, 53% of small businesses reported using credit cards to help fund their businesses. And did you know that in 1987, I don't know how long ago that was now, but Robert Townsend funded a movie, which we might all be familiar with, using mostly his credit cards. And it did cause him to be in debt of $60,000. And this movie grossed him $5 million. So in 2022, you can obtain business credit cards, allowing your business to start, grow, and scale using credit as an asset. Now, when you're using business credit, there is a distinction from your personal credit. Uh, your personal credit, of course, your, your credit scores are tied to your personal credit with TransUnion, Equifax, Experian. We all are familiar with them. But with business credit, it's reported under Dun & Bradstreet and Experian. And there are some distinct differences. Like, for example, if you were to use your personal credit cards to, for your business purposes, you've got to really watch how much you're spending and once you're your credit uh, balances go above 30%, for example, then you're going to start to see a personal decline in your personal credit scores. If your business credit is recorded separate from that, remember it's under your EIN number and not your social security number, you can literally spend every dollar that you have on your business credit account and it doesn't affect your personal credit. So that is a huge plus to a business owner not using their or relying on their personal credit cards to fund their business uh, because you're going to get hit pretty hard when you're using, even if you're paying off your balances diligently every month, just tapping out that credit uh, and, and utilizing it that much is going to give you some negative results personally. So when you walk into that bank situation, and now you're trying to get some financing for your business, 
that information that's pulled from your personal credit file is definitely not going to put you in a good position to get the best type of financing, uh, you know, when you're trying to separate yourself. So establishing that business credit up front is key to you having to uh, be able to move yourself away from using your personal credit and being affected by using it that way. Now, we do have a proprietary process uh, to work with uh, the, the Finel Group. We actually uh, do and gather some critical information about your business under a soft credit inquiry. We do not need your social security number. And what we do is we present a customized strategic plan to you, which is personalized and is designed to, uh, to reach your goals of funding. Uh, we take uh, some numbers from a, an accelerator uh, not too technical with that, but it's basically matching you with the lenders that are, we are partnered with. We're talking about major banks uh, like the Capital Ones, American Express. Uh, we have um, Wells Fargo, you name it. They're under our umbrella that we can actually technically match you by your, your metrics which is what banks are using today to approve you or turn you down for funding, they're actually taking data before anyone really physically puts their eyes on your request. Most of the time, your numbers and your data are extracted to say yes or no to your credit application. So what we do is we use a strategy, and I have a professional team of qualified strategists and credit consultants that actually pull this data first before your credit is ever being full, pulled and match you with these lenders uh, to protect your credit. So we do have a protect your credit clause um, with the Finel Group that you do not have to worry about ruining your credit. Now that's something that you can't do on your own. If you go to a, uh, a bank yourself and apply, or if you uh, want to see what type of interest rates or terms or conditions you're going to get, uh, even though you do get these I'm pre-approved pre offers, you're pre-approved for up to a million dollar offers in your mailbox almost every day, there's no guarantee that you're going to get approved for that. That's basically a marketing tactic for your bank to get you in the door to apply for some type of financing. Now, once they get your application, they will have to pull your credit to actually finalize whether or not you're going to get approved for what that offer said in the mail or what you're hoping to get as a result of applying for funding. So with our process, we do not have to put you through that. This is not something you can do yourself to go in the bank and say, I don't want you to pull my credit. I just want you to tell me how much I can get approved for. And there's no banks that I know of that you can actually get that done without a hard pull of your credit. Now, how do you actually work with the Finel Group? I know we're running out of time, Charles. The first thing that you do is you would schedule a call and uh, this call will actually, we will do a customized plan, ask a few questions, put together some data, and then we will work the magic for you. And we will show you in writing exactly how much funding you would qualify for with the banks that are in our partnership. So I have a team of strategists that work together with me to help you uh, to qualify before your credit is full. And the way that you would contact us, uh, you know, we're running out of time today, is you can go to my website and there is a link there that says begin the process now. 
And without you, like I said, without you pulling your credit, you can actually uh, schedule a, a time with us or set up a time with me so that we can do the strategies for you and show you exactly how much funding you would be able to obtain through this process. There's a tab there when you go to the website that says start your success plan now. And there's also a tab where you can schedule an appointment for one-on-one -on -one free, no obligation consultation with me. And you can also call me at 443-752-2869. So for the lack of time, that is how you can reach me to get a customized plan of action and see exactly how much funding am I able to get, whether you're in a startup phase, you haven't started your business yet, you're already in business, or you've been in business for many moons, you can still get a customized plan with no obligation, without pulling your credit, so you can see exactly how much business credit and funding you can obtain through the Finale Group. So I'm pretty much done because I know we're running out of time, Charles. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, thank you very much for that. See, this is the information that, that, that we need in our communities. Because I tell you, I go to the bank and they say, well, you have to be in business three years. You have to have a, a million dollars of accounts receivable and, and all of this jazz to just to get a dime. Right. Yes. And you're saying that we have startups. So I know I see a lot yes. of questions down there in the chat. And I apologize because we're gonna we we we're over the top of the hour, but there's some questions, some really important questions there. And if you hang out with us for a few for a few more minutes, uh, we'll get all those uh, questions answered. So I don't know, Kathy or Alonzo, somebody want to go through the questions that yeah, we have in chat? Um, okay. So we have a first question. I believe this one is for uh, Rosalind, uh, and it says. What would a sole proprietorship fall under, an LLC or an S-Corp? Okay, I direct messaged Blaze, and I told her that a sole proprietorship is a separate business entity from an LLC or S-Corp. It's an unincorporated type of entity. An LLC and an S-Corp are separate, and but they're incorporated entities. Okay, I had so would it fall, Yeah, I wouldn't fall under either. It's separate on its own. It's just unincorporated. <clears throat> and this is slightly related, this other question. It came from me, but it was in the chat. Uh, with the LLC biennial fees, is that something that your tax accountant or your CPA uh, would help make sure that you do every, um, every two years? Yes, they, uh, accountants and tax professionals, financial professionals, help keep you in compliance. However, uh, you can do most of it yourself online. It is available to do on your own if you can. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, wonderful. And then looks like uh, another question. Um, I, I don't know if you're you're able to answer this. Is uh, a C corp or an S corp? Which one is better? Uh, I, I don't know if that's kind of like chicken or the egg, or if you need more information. Uh, yeah, in in some ways, but I did say it depends on what you want to do in your business. If you're a small business, just starting or whatever, it may be best to start with the S-Corp if you have enough support uh, to pay yourself, payroll. Uh, if you want to be a C-Corp, if you have investors, like I mentioned, or if you're a tech startup, it's probably better to be a C-Corporation because the angel investors and other types of investors like to see that, okay? And also, if you want to be a, if you plan to, uh, Excuse me. 
reinvest your profits <clears throat> back into your business to keep building the business, a C, C corporation is best for that. Just keep in mind about the double taxation, okay? Okay, wonderful. Um, and then this question here is for Barbara. Uh, they want to know, is it the personal credit or the business credit that's being pulled? Uh, Barbara, you have to unmute yourself. Sorry about that. Okay, so in, in order to establish how much funding you can obtain, there is no hard credit pull on your, on your personal credit. Once you accept the offers from the lender, then of course the lender will do the one credit pull to establish the, the account with you as the client now. You're the vice client. So we're able to get you pre-approved and qualified up front without pulling your business or personal credit. So neither one of them are going to be pulled. We actually don't even need your social security number, believe it or not, but it's true. So no, no hard pulls on the personal or business credit side to know how much funding or am I able to get regardless of what stage of business I'm in, whether I'm a startup or not, we can show you exactly how much funding you would qualify for. And I see a new question just popped up in the chat. Do you recommend crowdfunding or does your agency help with that as well, crowdfunding platforms? I don't help with crowdfunding platforms with the Fennell Group, but I can get you in touch with them. We do have private investors and hard money lenders for like real estate folks who want money like at the snap of a finger. Uh, but what we're doing is building long-term solutions for you to have access to funding for your business. It's almost like insurance to have business credit. You wanna have it before you need it, and if you can get it before you need it, when the time comes that you do need it, then you already have it. You don't go run into the bank when you're in an emergency situation and trying to get a loan. That's too late. So business credit is a good way to have access to money before you actually need it. Okay. Um, and a question. Yeah, I have one here from uh, my social media following, uh, and they want to ask, is using an LLC as a pass or, or can uh, is using an LLC as a pass through company to invest in real estate a good idea? Absolutely. Using an LLC, yes. The only thing that I would uh, keep in mind is what type of real estate uh, are you going to do with the LLC? Okay. So you can have an LLC as a disregarded entity, you can have an LLC and have it set up as an S corporation. If you are going to flip and wholesale, you, you can do an S corporation. If you are going to use that LLC for rental property, it is best to just do the disregarded entity. The reason for that is because of the passive income rules within an S corp, okay? So flipping, wholesaling, S corp, real estate, uh, renting property, regular disregarded entity LLC. Okay, and I see there it looks like there's a, another one in here. It says, uh, is it appropriate to begin uh, an LLC and then transfer it into an S-Corp? Or should yes. you begin? Okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, you, can, you can start up as an S-Corp because, you know, you just 
you're trying to see what you where you can go. But if you see that that income level is rising uh, 100K and above, it's time to consider S corporation because you get the maximum tax uh, savings in a S corporation corporation juxtaposed a regular LLC. 